You are listening to the Sports CDP Crash Course, your go-to podcast for all things sports related. We talk about how sports clubs and teams can sell more tickets and merchandise than ever before and how they can negotiate sponsorship agreements of higher value. We also champion women's sports and discuss how data and innovation can help bring equality to the sports industry. We have interviewed industry leaders who have worked with the likes of the NFL, FC Barcelona, Women in Football UK, FIBA, the Davis Cup, just to name a few. So don't miss out. Listen to today's episode. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for coming to our session. I hope you are as excited as I am to get to talk a bit more about leading the development of women's sports. And I'm not alone. I have Anna Kessel, who is the Executive Director of Development at Sky Sports, over to my right here. And then I also have Dawn Airy, who is the Chair at the FA Women's Super League. So... Thank you for joining and help me welcome them with a bit of a round of applause. Now, as governing bodies, leagues, broadcasters and brands increase their commitments to the growth of women's sports, we really want to dive right into this topic with these two women because they have the experience and they have been in the industry for such a Long time in that sense. I'm trying not to use that word, <laughs> but you get what I mean. And so uh, to start off, I would just say um, you're both in quite high positions in your organizations and you have um, loads of responsibility and authority within the sports industry. I do wonder though, um, is this the case? Like, how is the representation in your respective? Um, organizations and your perspective from Sky Sports and uh, at the FA, Women's Super League, is it 50-50? And if it's not, uh, what are we doing to, to change that? We can start with you, Anna. Hi, thank you. Um, yes, is it 50-50? I feel like sport is always slightly behind the rest of society and society is behind where we should be anyway. Um, Sky have an aim for all women leaders across the business to uh, make up 50% of senior leadership which I think is great. Um, we're not there yet. It is something we're working on. Um, I joined the organisation about six months ago, um, which doubled the number of women on the senior leadership teams uh, alongside Inga Rool. That's not uncommon, is it? I mean, it, it happens very often that way. Um, and part of my remit, alongside evolving how we show up on screen and really thinking about women's sports, but women and, and diversity more generally on screen, is looking at that internal culture piece. How do we champion women in the workplace? How do we recruit more women? And that 50% target isn't just about recruitment. I think sometimes that becomes the focus, and it is important, but you've got to retain women as well. And there's so many ways that organisations leak top female talent. Um, or simply let it waste away and don't, don't make the most of it. So there's a lot of work that we've been doing over the last six months around cultural change. Um, and some of that is quite new and interesting for Sky Sports, I think. Things like talking about the menopause, um, talking about periods, maternity in the workplace, um, working with the Women's Sports Collective and Women in Football, our partners, um, and really trying to drive that cultural change across the business. Fantastic. And Dawn, did you want to... 
Well, I used to work at Sky, and I have to say, I'd, I wouldn't recognise it from when I was there nearly 20 years ago, and I have to say it was a bit sort of Cro-Magnon man who, uh, who was on the executive committee, and, and women were very, uh, very few and far between. So I'm really thrilled to hear um, uh, uh, those, those changes. So um, I'm a non-executive at the FA, so I'm uh, the non-executive chair um, of the Women's Super League and the Women's Championship. Um, and so from a, a governance point of view, uh, my board is three-quarters women. And you would expect that for the professional uh, women's leagues. It would be very wrong if it was predominantly uh, men. Um, and then if I look at the FA's senior leadership team, of the, which there are 13, uh, six of uh, those folks are women. So, so that's, pretty, that's pretty good, actually. Um, and uh, sort of throughout my career, and I, when, when you said we've been around well, you know, a lot of experience, I've been around a long time. Um, so I have seen how um, uh, women have risen uh, in the workplace, rightly so, uh, and how also we demand uh, proper representation. And I very firmly believe, you know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. You've got to walk the talk you need. You absolutely and utterly need um, hard and fast tar um, targets to uh, achieve parity, and there's no reason why there, should, there shouldn't be parity. Um, but if I look sort of more broadly um, uh, at the women's game, there's an overwhelming uh, predominance, clearly, women on the pitch and women off the pitch. There are more opportunities uh, to be involved in football off the pitch uh, than there is on the pitch. But there are areas of development that are required. Um, uh, we need more women coaches, we want more women uh, referees, we want more men, women managers, and it's the start of a journey. So the women's, the women's game has only been professional since 2018, it's not very long. Um, uh, so there's, there's, there's a huge amount to be done, and I suspect... Um, parity will never be done, will never be done. In fact, I don't even want parity. I want, sorry, gentlemen in this room, I want actually women to, to actually maybe redress the balance for the, the hundreds of years that we haven't been uh, represented or correctly or had been at least, you know, 50% of, of a workforce. So maybe it's time where the 70% of the, the, the leadership teams are... Uh, are women. But there we are. that's just me being provocative, um, but uh, which I'm known for. Fantastic, fantastic. And you touched a little bit on if you can't see it, you can't believe it. And um, Anna, one of the biggest flacks or sort of um, criticism that the media tends to get is their lack of coverage of women's sports, right? And at some point, um, the number 7% uh, was being thrown around, meaning that only 7% of global media coverage went to women's sports. Now, how does Sky Sports compare to that? Yeah, obviously, I've been in the media for about 20 years, so I've heard that whole visibility piece for such a long time. Um, and, and really, it's, it's such a key component in growing women's sport. You've got the visibility through the media, and you've got the sponsorship and investment and the commercial revenue. But I think we need to go deeper than that. We have been talking about visibility, particularly since 2012, and it's great that we are, and, and those stats are useful. Um, for newspapers, which is my background, it was 2%. 2% of sports coverage in newspapers was dedicated to women. But what is the impact of the visibility? And that's the, that's the shift that I've been looking at making since I joined Sky about six months ago. So let's look at engagement. Um, let's look at who's interacting, um, 
who's watching and how long are they watching for and across all of the platforms because ultimately you can put the sport out there but if nobody's clicking on it downloading it watching it sharing it consuming it commenting on it then what is the meaning of that content and also how do you monetize it how do you bring commercial value and ultimately i think everybody who's in the women's sports sector that's what we want to do that's that is how we're going to achieve that longevity um, and understanding the value in women's sports audiences through that. Um, I should say, you've got to put where your money where your mouth is, and Sky Sports have definitely done that. Uh, we are the largest investor in women's sports rights. We've got an amazing portfolio of women's sports events coming up this summer, uh, which we're very excited about, from the Netball World Cup to the 100 to US Open Tennis being back on our channel, the WSL, obviously. Amazing this season, and will be again following the World Cup. Uh, later this summer so it feels like a really exciting time to be joining and what I love that I that I think is a recurring theme of what you've just said is just going deeper right because you mentioned with the the people are focusing more on recruiting women but they're not focusing on retaining women and now talking about not just looking at the numbers but actually going what do the numbers mean and going that much deeper and I do think that that's something that is needed in the in the women's sports space to kind of just just take it a bit like go deeper go deeper and sort of explore a bit more right definitely because one thing that's been apparent and consistent in the time that I've been looking at women's sports audiences is that they have unique qualities that you don't necessarily get across other um, sports fandom communities so women's sports audiences tend to have longer dwell times tend to be more, more engaged and have a slightly different demographic which you can potentially grow so we have to look at the unique um, really interesting and valuable qualities of that women's sports audience absolutely and that provides a unique monetization uh, opportunity as well right and speaking of going deeper, strategies, tactics, I know that the WSL, I mean, we all know, we, we watched the Euros 2022, we know that the WSL and um, just women's football in, in England is just booming, and we've seen that the sponsorship agreements are getting a bit higher and higher, which is fantastic. But what have been the strategies and the tactics that you've been focusing on to sort of really just take this all to the next level? Um, well, there's a professional uh, game strategy, um, and the FA, ha what happened at the Euros, and indeed I would go back sort of two and a half years to also what happened in the World Cup uh, when uh, England played uh, the USA, and it got 12 million viewers. So it was an ignition moment of uh, engagement of, gosh, these are extraordinary athletes, and it's, and it's great great sport that we're watching. And then another ignition moment, um, uh, obviously, was the Euros, where 17 million uh, people uh, tuned in uh, to watch that extraordinary final. You know, the first bit of silverware that this nation has had, for, um, or international uh, footballing silverware since 1966. It was an extraordinary moment, but it didn't happen overnight. It was part of a very coherent strategy. So the strategy for the professional game has um, three pillars. Uh, the first is all about attracting talent and retaining talent and growing talent. And you can see that. I mean, it, the FA invests considerably in the talent pathway. How do we grow a pipeline of young little girls like my daughter who's 13 who wants to be a professional footballer? And that is a realistic, a realistic opportunity for her. 
Before 2018, that wasn't the case. The women's game wasn't professional. Um, so it's right at grassroots level through to the really talented also overseas players who want to come and play in this league because this league is seen to be the best league um, uh, in the world. Um, and so the women also that we have who are really good, how do we keep them in the Super League and they don't go overseas in pursuit of bigger salaries, which is an, uh, a very interesting uh, challenge that we have. So, so part of it is part of the strategy is about attracting and retaining talent, and that's working uh, well. Um, then the 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 other element of the of the strategy is is all about audience engagement, which is what you were talking about earlier. And again, what I started off in my in my opening comments around: if you can't see it, you can't be it. How does um, the game uh, attract? a really sizable audiences, not only attendances at games, but audiences with the broadcasters. Um, and the part of the strategy has been um, very, very focused on improving our product, spending money, significant amounts of money uh, on marketing, ensuring that there are marquee weekends, ensuring that there's a price point that makes the game uh, accessible. And then the third part of the strategy is the commercial element, because you can, the, the game has to be commercially sustainable. And all of you know, you're all experienced, I mean, you, you all, I'm assuming because you're here, have got a, an active interest in football, is football is the most extraordinary business. It's not a business that I've ever known it. Sometimes you make money, sometimes you lose money, more clubs lose money than make money. There's billions that go into soccer. I mean, it sort of blows your mind. Uh, and the women's game is, is a long, long, long way off the professional game of being profitable and sustainable, and it needs to be. It absolutely and utterly needs to be. And part and parcel of it becoming um, uh, economically sustainable and indeed delivering against part of our strategy, which is for this to be the most successful professional league in the world, um, is we need exposure. So when our rights, which we took to the market well, three years ago now, we were very clear. We wanted two elements. We needed money. And God bless Sky, Sky got a lot of money. Um, and uh, unfortunately, they let us down a little bit. No, no, I'm only joking. They're oh, a fantastic God. partner. But it was the first time that the women's game, we could actually put a price on it. Because before that, it was wrapped into a deal with BT, and the women's game was wrapped into the men's game. Not anymore. The rights are completely separately, separate. And we, want, we, need, we knew we needed to do a pay deal, because that's where the money would be. But we also needed to have reach. And to have reach, it had to be on a free-to-air broadcaster. So we constructed packages so that hopefully it would appeal for both free-to-air and pay broadcasters. And certainly that worked well. And I think it's worked really well for Sky, who've been a fantastic partner. They spent, I think, as much money on production as you have on the rights. Um, and, and so have the BBC, where we're getting really substantial audiences. And that benefits um, Sky as well. So, um, but we're in the very, very, very early days um, of really getting this league to fly commercially. The economics are, are tiny. They're tiny compared to the billions of the men's. Uh, but there is absolutely uh, no reason, indeed it's part of our focus, for this to be a billion-pound league uh, within a decade. I think it should be uh, even quicker. And we're seeing the explosion of interest uh, from uh, brands who want to be associated uh, with the clubs, with the lionesses. Um, so it's the start of a journey. But as you said, it has exploded, or it seems to have exploded, 
it has been part of a strategy, a very, very, very coherent strategy, but we've been thrilled and delighted by how that win last summer has just exploded the interest and engagement. And I don't know, can I just ask you to put up your hands if you've got daughters who play football? Who play football? Yeah, so you will know when you go and watch them play football, and I watch my little girl go and play at a local club, Acton, although she, she's um, signed for Brentford, just the sheer number of, of pitchers with little girls playing football, dreaming of being professional footballers and lionesses, it's profoundly different to what it was like three, four, five years ago. All part and parcel of the FA strategy, its talent programmes, but also part of how this game is going to explode. Because little girls expect to see the supreme athletes playing football, and they aspire to be that too. So long answer to what we're doing. Part of a very coherent strategy. No, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you for, the, for that answer. I want to ask you something controversial, so please don't, don't kill me off stage. <laughs> um, I know we should not compare the women's sports game and the, and the men's uh, football game, so we should not compare. They're two different products. But I do wonder, though, since the, women, the men have been sort of doing this for, for a bit longer, what's the one thing that you think um, that with the women's side can learn from the men's side when it comes to commercial, but also what's the one thing that you think the men can learn from the women's side? Um, what can we learn from, from the men's side? Well, they do have, a, you have 100 years advantage on us. I mean, we were banned for, for 50 years because, as you know, in the 1920s, the women's game was so popular that it was banned in FA grounds post the, post the First World War which was shocking. That put the women's game back. Um, so um, what can the women's game uh, learn from the men? I would say it can learn that, that this is a multi-billion pound sport if you get it right. And, and I look at the men's game and the amount of money, and the Premier League is a sensational league. Um, and there's all sorts of reasons to why it's so valuable. I mean, brilliant but but when it was created and launched and so integrally linked to sky who built you know they built businesses together sky was built in tandem with the premier league there is no reason why um the women's game can't be as big as the men's game in my view will it be in my lifetime i really hope so so i think we can learn in terms of how how we can monetize and have the ambition of the men's game what can the men's game learn from the women's game i think the women although i think uh, I think the women are extraordinary ambassadors and they have a... It's interesting they do have a higher purpose. They do know um, that they are... They're empowering societal change. They are empowering societal change for women and for young girls. And they understand and know that responsibility. Um, and you can see that. They win the Euros. And what's the first thing they say? that, that um, every little girl should have the ability to play football, should have the opportunity to play football in school, That's, that, that, um, that PE should be sort of compulsory. And that was listened to and responded to, and it's resulted in change in legislation. So I think that um, what men, the men's game can learn from the women's game is just how to be even more engaged and do things for good. Although I think that the young men's, the young, I say that the, that the professional men, male footballers are, again, excellent role models. They're really, really good role models. I just think the women maybe are a little bit better. 
Awesome. Now, this conversation that we're having is a very important conversation, and we want to develop women's sports, and we want to make sure that there's representation at every level. But how do we make sure that we don't just end up in an echo chamber or just preaching to the choir where everyone says amen, but then we all walk away, and it's like we didn't even have the conversation in the first place. We could go start with you, Anna. Mm, Yeah, really important point. And I think there's two parts of this. One is that the converted, we shouldn't abandon them, right? Women's sport has grown to the point that it has based on a core community that's been incredibly loyal, particularly to women's football, but to to all of the different women's sports communities. And they are fundamental. Um, Then if you layer on top of that, you've got your core sports fans, uh, predominantly male, who, for whom women's sport is basically additive. And we see that a lot at Sky Sports. And we're kind of super serving them. And we love that they're engaged in women's sport. Brilliant. And we want to keep those two groups of people really happy. But we know that there's a huge opportunity to effectively mainstream women's sport. And I think what the Lionesses win did last summer has been such an enormous part of that shift. And and you see it in lots of other ways. You know, Jill Scott winning um, I'm a Celebrity in the Jungle. How amazing that she's a household name. You see it in the fact that Kim Kardashian took her little boys to go and see Arsenal women. Not only did she take them, but she put them in Katie McCabe shirt and a Vivian Miyadima shirt. I love that so much. Um, You know, you've got Beyonce performing at the London Stadium in a few weeks. Okay, it's not women's sport, but 75% of that crowd going into the London Stadium will be women. How has that ever happened in a Premier League ground before where normally it's 25% women? So there are lots of these cultural markers that are happening around this mainstreaming of women's sport, and we have to grab hold of that and be really innovative around what we do with it. I think it's really important. Um, It's a huge opportunity for us in terms of growing audiences, and of course that's crucial for longevity and commercialism of women's sport. Um, So yeah, it's exciting times. And it's Beyonce, so it's okay. You can mention I mean, Beyonce. everything Beyonce is brilliant, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I'd also say, I mean, it's interesting. There's this panel, we're all women. Where's the man? I mean, because there there's some really good, fantastic, certainly in the professional, the professional game, male advocates. And you need that. You absolutely need that. I mean, I look at... I just pluck this name. I don't know if he's... I'm not saying this to flattering to deceive if he's in this room, but he, he, I'll be surprised if he's here, uh, if he's not here. Is Paul Barber in the room from Brighton and Hove? No? Paul, unbelievably brilliant advocate for, you know, women um, within the club at, at, at all sorts of levels, not just playing on the field. Now, that's really, really important that we, we need male allies and advocates. And you're right, you know, you don't want an echo chamber, um, you know, women speaking to women. It's got to be far broader than that. Can, can I just add to that? I think that there's this really important shift that's happening from, you know, we've talked about the inspiration piece for women's sport, and that's long established, and it is crucial, and it does matter. But I feel like we're adding complexity to it now. And that recent Women's Sport Trust report that talked about the shift from inspiring and worthy, which is sometimes where inspiring ends up, to entertaining and thrilling. And for us as, as a broadcaster, it's from I should watch to I have to watch, I don't want to miss it, it's amazing. And I I think that's for me with the question that you asked Dawn earlier about what do we learn from men's sport it is that 
that it is entertainment. It is thrilling. You genuinely want to be part of it. And all the other stuff that comes from, with women's sport, like 90,000 people at Wembley, that's mm. completely safe. There's no swearing. No one's throwing up. It's not violent. It's wonderful. You can go there. You know, I was there with my six-year-old and I didn't worry for two minutes that it was 11 o'clock at night and I was among 90,000 crowd. So there's lots of things that men's sport can learn from, from us. But I, I think women's sport has to take that totally thrilling element Dawn you look like you want yeah no no I was just going to say um, I think that the reason why female sport is exploding is also just simply that the that the women involved in professional sport are supreme athletes and we mustn't forget that they're not a lesser version of men they are unbelievably brilliant athletes um, and that comes from you know a huge amount again of investment right from an early age and we're seeing we're seeing the benefits of that it's not like oh you know women and i've heard it in my lifetime well women kick the football around they're not really very good uh, i don't think that, that isn't the case at all they are bloody good they're as good as men different different in terms of how they play but they these are supreme athletes 100%. Um, I'm thinking that, because uh, we're nearing the end now, I, I can take a couple of questions from uh, the audience and put them to you, and then you can answer those, and then we can just close up. Uh, we can start with you, Anna. Um, yeah. Why is it great that Sky is investing in women's sports? Is it a problem that the product loses... Uh, wait, where did it go? Loses reach behind a paywall. So while it's great that Sky is investing in women's sports, is it a problem that the product loses reach behind a paywall? No, I don't think so. I think it's wonderful that people are paying for women's sport. It's a business. Um, you know, I think it, it, is, it was important in that deal that we did that, that WSL remained on free-to-air as well. And that increases that reach. That's that part of mainstreaming. Um, but I don't think so. You know, the money that Sky has is important in investing, in innovating around that women's sport broadcasting. So the analysis and the quality of the analysis that we bring to the WSL is really part of our USP. And I think we've done that with us, other sports too. When you think about the, the women's boxing all-female all fight night at the O2 last October, that was a first in this country. We reached two million people with that you know so when we talk about are we marginalizing it by putting it behind a paywall I don't think so when it's done really well we're reaching huge audiences and we're bringing them really exciting entertainment yeah. and it's not happening with the men's side so we can so why would we worry about the women's side and then a question for you Dawn do you think in our lifetime we'll get to call uh, women's sports just sports or even add men's into sports like they do in the Olympics? I rather hope so, that it is just sport. Yeah, I do. Very easy to answer that question. Do you want me to go down to the next one quickly? Will the WSL try to keep that free-to-air reach within its next UK rights deal? Absolutely. Can't see it, can't be it. Great Sky, brilliant coverage, but our largest audience has come on the BBC. Sky, benefit from that. We'll see. We're going literally going to the market in the next month or so. Um, with our rights deal uh, from 24, well, the, from season 24-25 on. So we'll see what the market uh, throws up uh, in terms of interest and money. Um, but uh, having a free element is critical. I mean, you, you, you look at... You, 
you look at sort of Premier League, I mean, you know, the majority of that is on Sky, it's, on, it's, on, it's behind the paywall. But you have the most brilliant, brilliant advert for the Premier League, which is, um, obviously is um, match of the day. I mean, it's just fantastic. And Sky, you would always want match of the day. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable. Oh, if you want to watch the real matches, you, you want to watch full matches, go buy Sky. So, um, so, yes, it will always have a free element for the next round. Think, Beyond that, who knows? I think it really complements each other, you know, and it's, it's significant that the government made, made this decision to make women's sport part of the crown jewels of, of protected on free-to-air. And that impact from the women's Euros that was obviously on free-to-air showed up in our WSL audiences. So, f- increase of 51% viewers this season, which is absolutely mammoth. So, yeah, they're important for each other. Awesome. Let's just close off now with like rapid fire, and I just want one answer, one word answer. Um, what word describes best how you feel about the future of women's sports? Let's start with you, Dawn. Excited. Anna? Oh, that was the one I was going to say. <laughs> Optimist. Thrilling. Okay, fantastic. And what one thing should all sports clubs be focusing on right now to develop women's sports? We'll start with you, Anna. Fans. Fans. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a couple of words here, sorry. Fans, absolutely. Um, players, absolutely. More money. The game is underfunded and underinvested in. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. If your goal is to get more supporters, superior sales and real revenue, then visit our website at datatalks.sc and fill out our demo form to experience firsthand how we can help you. Datatalks, more supporters, superior sales, real revenue.